We are happy to have you here with us today on the Fantasy Injury Team Podcast, brought to you by Guys Trip. Are you planning a golf trip, bachelor party, sporting event trip, or just need a weekend getaway with the guys? Guys Trip plans your entire trip, and they will save you up to 30% off retail pricing for everything, rental homes, transportation, golf, nightlife, and much more. Visit guystriplive.com and use the code FIT, that's F-I-T, for an additional 10% off your fee. Guys Trip, just show up and give them a look. They have been planning some awesome trips lately. Tom, welcome. What is going on, guys? I am your host, Joe D'Amico, and of course, I am joined by the aforementioned doctor of physical therapy, Tom Christ, and we are here to provide you guys with the latest and the best injury analysis and updates from around the league and how they're going to impact your fantasy football teams. Tom, we've got a lot of business to discuss. Should we hop right in? Let's hop in. You know, it, it, it comes in waves. You, you get weeks where there's lots of injuries, weeks where there's not. This is one that in maybe pure volume of injuries wasn't super high, but a lot of key players. Absolutely. So let's get right in there. Let's start uh, talking about injuries, starting with Justin Herbert. He has a fractured middle finger on his non-throwing hand. So Tom, tell us a little bit about what we can expect from Herbert. Well, I don't think we should expect that much of a hit. I mean, it's you said it. It's his non-throwing hand. If this was his throwing hand, this would be a big problem, but it's not. So we saw during the game, he went back in. He finished the game. He played well. They had him in a splint. I anticipate either a splint or heavy taping will still be on that finger. Um, as you said, they have a bye this upcoming week. Could not come at a better time for him. But we think about routine bone healing about four to six weeks. But like I said, with a finger being his non-throwing hand, they'll probably either have it splinted or taped to another finger next to it. It's not going to affect his throwing. It could affect his ability to take snaps, so I'd expect them to go predominantly out of the shotgun and possibly could affect his ball handling in the pocket. So, you know, defenders are going to be swiping at that ball and at that finger specifically. Mm -hmm. um, but as long as he's making his decisions well like he has and he's pretty mobile in the pocket – this is not going to affect his fantasy output whatsoever. All right. Sounds good. Pretty optimistic there. And like you said, Tom, a perfectly timed bye week for this team. Other teams on bye, aside from the Chargers this week, are the Browns, Seahawks, and Bucks. Let the bye week start, baby. Let's start digging at those waivers for some crazy people to pick up. But like you said, Tom, I mean, it really couldn't come at a better time. They need him to heal up. Of course, they need Eckler back. Offense without them, has, without Eckler at least, has been pretty subpar. And, uh, you know, we're hoping that the team can get back to their high octane style. We'll see what what comes after the bye week for, for guys like Joshua Palmer, Quinton Johnson. We'll see who can emerge as a wide receiver, too, there. But the Chargers did survive. They're two and two. Week off should do them pretty well. We'll see them back in week six. How about Matthew Stafford? A hip contusion expected to play this week, uh, Sunday against your Eagles, Tom. I mean, this guy, this guy's been through it. He's been on almost all of our shows, I feel like. I feel like he's going to play, but give us your expert opinion, Tom. He's tough as nails, and everything sounds like he'll be good to go. So a hip contusion, the word contusion basically means bruise. So basically he landed really hard on his hip, and it got bruised. There's probably quite a bit of swelling in there, which hurts and can – stiffen things up but as athletes get warmed up with this type of injury like just basic walking biking jogging generally that flushes some of the swelling out back into to the circulatory system which makes it easier to move and less painful the other thing that's huge here is that it's his left hip so as a right-handed quarterback he pushes off that right leg for power 
that could potentially be an issue if it was his right hip, but it's not. It's his left. I don't anticipate this being a bother for him at all. I do think it's kind of interesting. This is not the most common injury, but we have three players last week who had this injury. So it's just like kind of weird that it all just happened at once. <laughs> like you said, it happens in waves. And I even remember what last week or two weeks ago was like the concussion week. Then we had a hamstring week. It's crazy how things work. But Stafford looked has looked pretty good so far, especially without Cooper Cup. I mean, he propelled the Rams last week to an exhilarating overtime win against the Colts, 29-23. Went 27 for 40 in the process, Tom, 319 yards. And, oh, by the way, he gets Cooper Cup back this week. So I don't know if you're starting Stafford in fantasy. Maybe a guy to look at, though. Of course, Puka Naku has done his thing. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But, Tom, like you said, Stafford's tough as nails. The guy's dealt with dozens of injuries. He gets out there. He plays. He gets the job done. And like we mentioned, Tom, Cooper Cup is hopefully going to be back. Week five, he's set to return from that hamstring injury off the IR. What can we expect? I mean, do we think he's going to – I mean, he was limited in practice, I saw, but I think McVay is is, is saying that he's probably going to play. But what do you think, Tom? A wide range of possibilities here. I am going to be absolutely locked into practice reports all week long and videos because you know there will be videos of him coming out too. So – some of the things we heard, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, are a little interesting. So we saw a report that the Rams are going to be careful with him, as they should be, and that they want him at 80 to 90%, but that he's not there yet. He's not there. Well, first of all, that's a low bar. We want 90 to 95%. Get this 80 crap out of here. That is not enough. The other thing He's been out for four weeks. Muscle healing is typically 21 to 28 days. Uh, of course, the severity will dictate that. But then again, we got reports today that it was a lot more mild than they originally thought. So he's at four weeks out now. He should be more than 80% by now. So there's reading between the lines here. I, it has me a little concerned. Um, based you know, off of what I just said, they're one that 80, 80%. I just can't believe that they said that they want him at 80%. That is not enough. Um, and the fact that he's not there yet after a full month off, essentially is a little concerning to me. Um, but I think we've known all along that re-injury risk is going to be there the rest of the season. There's no way around that. He's 30. This is the second hamstring injury in a very short period of time. There is risk here, no question. But, so, Joe, but there's a lot of rewards. <laughs> it's Cooper oh, Dam Cup. A of reward. So here's my stance on him. If he plays this week and he's already on your roster, of course you're starting him, and you can expect big things. We see about 11% dip in fantasy production in receivers in their first game back from a hamstring. For a guy who averages over 20 points, that's nothing. That is nothing. Um, but, and then I'm going to have a similar stance on another player coming up. I would not give up major assets to go get him is how I feel. If I already have him awesome. I can't wait to start him understanding that I need to have depth behind him on my roster, have to have depth behind him at the receiver position, but I'm not giving up anything valuable to go get him unless I'm in a win now dynasty situation and it's draft picks that i'm giving up 
Okay, well said. So a little diversity there between the different leagues. And Tom, as always, you're tweeting about this stuff, but what should the average person look for? Because you said you're going to look to see his practice videos. They might show him on the side running some routes or doing whatever, or doing some agility drills, ladders. Like, what do you look for in that? I mean, it's hard to tell, I guess, if somebody's at 100%, but someone like you, a trained eye, what are you looking to see? Is he getting to top speed? So are we seeing videos of him just jogging? and coasting or are we seeing him going all out and if he's going all out does he look like he's got his speed back does he look like he has his change of direction back um i think the mistake a lot of casual fans make is they see a player just jogging on the field or going half speed on the field and they're like oh he's back he's back there's a lot a lot of a difference between going 75% and going 100% especially joe we talk about this every episode with the hamstring because the load on the hamstring increases dramatically from the shift from 80% of a sprint to a hundred percent of a sprint. So what I want to see are videos of him going full speed. Okay. And if he's not, maybe we temper expectations, but he's going to be a hard guy to sit towards the end of the summer. He started to shift into like, yeah, shifted into the early second or whatever, second round late first. But if you've waited this long, I think it's time to play Cooper cup. And on the other side of the field, this could be scary, Tom, because I love my boy Puka Nakua. And I think personally he's here to stay, man. So far this year through four games, Puka's got 39 catches an NFL record for the first four games. Currently, and this is crazy, this is pace, and I don't know what to expect with Cooper Cup coming back, but I would say Puka Nakua is still going to be damn rock solid and playable. But he's currently outpacing the two record holders for most yards in a season at this point in the year. Nakua currently with 501 yards through four games, and in their record seasons, the two guys that are up there, Cooper Cup at this point in 2021, when he had nine, uh, 1,947 yards, had 431 at this point. And of course, the classic Calvin Johnson in 2012 had 423 at this point when he finished at 1964. So Puka Nakua is on a crazy pace. He's way ahead of him. He is. And what's crazy, Tom, is who's the quarterback for all three of those guys? Oh, my goodness. It's Stafford, isn't it? I saw that online, dude. Unbelievable. Matthew Stafford just peppers his guys. It's going to be interesting because now he has two options. I think what this does for the team, again, I think Puka is absolutely going to be playable. Of course, Cup is. Those of you guys that were able to ride 2-2 Atwell for a little bit, I think you could kiss those days goodbye, probably with the, you know, with, with Cooper Cup returning. But we've seen this offense, too, in the past. Just to wrap up here on Cup, we've seen them supply or be able to sustain two wide receivers, right? Remember, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup together both had two really good seasons. So, again, I truly feel like they can sustain two top-end guys. Stafford's going to be a good guy to do that. And, Tom, we'll keep an eye on your your tweets and and your analysis this week as we watch Cooper Cup, and <laughs> it's going to be fun to watch him, especially if you've had him stashed all this time. Uh, another guy in the Rams, Tom. This is this is comical. We have their starting quarterback, we have their <laughs> usual wide receiver one, and how about the running back, Tom Kyron Williams? Another hit. did him and, and Stafford just bump hips? I don't know what's going on. Kyron Williams, a bruised hip as well. <laughs> Is it a hip contusion? Is that the same? Is it the same thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. So remember, I said there's three guys this week with this injury, with oh Rico, Rico Dowdle being the other one. Same, same analysis. It's it's bruising, it's swelling within the muscle, within the hip, and usually as they get going, they get moving. It flushes some of that swelling out, and they feel better. Now he did not 
practice this or today. He did not practice. This is Wednesday. We're recording. And this type of injury, in theory, would affect a running back more than a quarterback because they're asking more of that hip with the change of direction and, and running with power and all that. But again, he's got a few days to get that swelling down. And once he gets warmed up, he, he shouldn't have a problem. We'll keep an eye on it, obviously. But if he's playing, I don't expect there to be limitations. Okay, fair deal. And just for you guys out there that are, Tom, do you have Kyron Williams anywhere or did you not have him? Okay. So seven leagues, I have him in two. And I do have to say this as Kyron, as a Kyron Williams owner, as a guy that's followed this backfield now for a couple of years, pretty closely. If I've learned one thing, it's that Sean McVay cannot be fully trusted in a situation like this. So it's a hard pill to swallow, but just want to say, I wouldn't get overly comfortable if you are a Kyron Williams owner. I think enjoy the ride. Of course, continue to play him, especially if he's okay here. Uh, but he's had a ton of touches so far and hasn't been great, Tom. Guy that's really never handled the workload this big this season. 15 touches, 20, 12. Last week, 28. And I think his role is absolutely elite on question. His performance, not so much, man. Currently ranks of all the qualified running backs, 38th at the position uh, with a 3.8 uh, yards per carry statistic there. So, yeah, he has a great role. I don't know how good he is. I would roster, especially in deeper leagues. I'm rostering Ronnie Rivers. I don't know how good he is either, but we saw situations like this in the past where Cam Akers was the guy, the guy, the guy. And then, boom, all of a sudden things change. So, again, Ronnie Rivers in deeper leagues, I think he's a guy you could roster. Keep him on your radar. So far this season, nine carries, 47 yards. It's 5.2 yards per carry. And, again, I think he's worth the roster spot. Um, I know this sounds crazy, but I think now is probably the best time to sell Kyron Williams because he's been amazing. I don't know how much better it's going to get. And I just don't trust Sean McVay. I might be eating my words when he finishes as the RB4. But I, I'm just very nervous about this backfield and how Sean McVay's handled it in the past. So there's my little take there. Got another quarterback, Tom. It is, it's Jimmy G. Concussion, and he missed week four. This seems like a long time to be out for a concussion. I heard that he might even miss week five. What's the deal with Jimmy G? Well, this is actually not abnormal. If you remember when we had our, our friend and concussion specialist, Andrew Tierketter, on the show last year, he told us that the average absence from a concussion is 16 days so it's actually not that abnormal and and i know there's been reports recently about how this year it's taking longer than usual for players to return from concussion and this is going to sound weird but i think that's a good thing that means that they're really having enough time to get over the injury because we know that if you suffer a second concussion while you're still dealing with the first concussion there can be dire consequences. So I think that this slower return to play from concussion, even though it's really not slower than what the data has said, it just, we're perceiving it as slower for some reason. I think that's good for the player's health overall. Um, as far as Jimmy G goes, we haven't gotten any updates yet, but he, other than that, he is still in the concussion protocol but he certainly has enough time to clear that by Sunday. So we'll just keep looking out. If he, if he plays, we don't expect any dip in production from concussions. Although outside of two QB leagues, you're probably not starting Jimmy anyway. 
And his other weapons, of course, like we've talked about, Devontae Adams, you fire out there no matter what, Josh Jacobs. It was actually really good to see with rookie Aiden O'Connell coming in. He wasn't terrible, Tom, in his debut. He was okay. Uh, but it was good to see Jacobs heavily involved again. Adams always heavily involved. He left the game, came back, so good thing he's okay. But the Raiders are struggling a little bit. They dropped to one and three. They do need Jimmy G, but of course his health is is the most important. And Tom, it's it's never good when the uh, opposing team has a guy with six sacks. Uh, Khalil Mack with the heck of a freaking yeah. game, man. That was that was like, a good performance from him. Yeah, that could not have been enjoyable there at all. All right. Next guy up, Tom, is Saquon Barkley. We read reports. He's limited in practice. There's optimism in New York and amongst me and my friends and people in my school, and he might play. And then, of course, he just doesn't play. Like, what's a realistic timetable? It's an ankle injury. What do you, you know, we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, Tom, but is there anything that's changed? Well, it's it's a high ankle sprain, which is worse than a lateral ankle sprain. Uh, right. But this is it's is reasonable for him to come back this week. Running backs average missing about somewhere between two point two and two point five games with this type of injury. Of course, there's a spectrum though. Some of them miss zero when it's really minor. Some of them miss up to six. Is is the most lengthy absence we have on our data set from back to 2017. Uh, this type of injury, again, I'll explain it again, especially because we got a couple other guys coming up with similar injuries. When the two shin bones, the tibia and the fibula, get separated from each other, that's a high ankle sprain. There's a strong connective tissues that typically holds them together. That tissue gets injured and those bones get separated. The ankle is now less stable, therefore less able to push off and create power when you're cutting or even just sprinting forward. The ability to return and play is very much dependent on how much separation between those bones occurred. If he was pushing to play, like, what was it, like 10 or 11 days after the injury, probably wasn't that severe to begin with. Um, and it also, the ability to return to play depends on the ability to regain that power and that single leg function. So it's not out of the question for him to play this week. Another one that I'll be closely monitoring with, since I know you're going to ask me this follow-up question, what am I looking for in videos? I'm looking for his ability to cut on a dime without hesitation. That's the big thing with this type of injury. It, it's less straightforward. It's more the lateral stuff that we're looking for with this injury. Um, somehow on our data set that I think has like 26 running backs going back to 2017, they actually don't average any dip in fantasy production in their first game back. I think that's more coincidence than correlation because this is an injury that's a pain in the butt and can really linger and impact function. Um, but that's what our data says. It says that there's no dip in production. With Saquon being Saquon, if he's playing, you're starting him. There's no question about that. Uh, definitely elevated risk for re-injury. We saw that with Jonathan Taylor last year, three times, same injury, same exact injury over and over and over again, still dealing with it this year. Yeah. That's definitely a risk that doesn't happen every time though. So, and that's, there's nothing that we as fantasy players can do about that. Like you got <laughs> your guys start him. Yeah. Uh, unless, unless you're thinking about trading, unless you're going to use that as a reason to trade him. Now, let me just hop in here, Tom, because I did say a couple weeks ago to trade him to a team that might be in good shape. I still stand by that. If you're a Barkley owner, it depends, of course, the situation you're in and your depth and your record and your league and all that stuff. But would you be looking to possibly sell Barkley with the news that he might be back soon? 
Um, it's going to be very situational. I would only do that if I had running back depth or if it was like a two for one where Barkley's my only running back and I'm getting two lesser good running backs. Yeah. Um, but as far as like, oh, he had a high ankle sprain, let me dump him. No, that's not right. how I would approach this. Okay. So it's not that extreme, but again, I'm just, I just continue to be pessimistic on the giants and it could be just because I watch them and because it hits home. They're one and three. They got the Dolphins this week as one and four. I think they play the Bills after that. <laughs> okay, see you later. That's one and five. Like, I'm just worried about this team as a whole. Like, they're just so bad, Tom. I don't know if you watched the game. What was it? Sun, uh, Monday night? I think it was the Monday night game. They can't tackle. They're letting Noah Font or Fant just, just prance down the field, not even touched, right? They're, their offensive weapons outside of when Barkley's there are just non-existent, although – I'm so desperate one of my leagues, Tom. I got to play Wandell Robinson this week, who is semi-productive. Listen, if I always talk about how you should bench all the Giants, this week against the Dolphins, I think they're like 11 or 12-point underdogs. Like, (laughs) this might be the one time to get their offense or to get maybe him, maybe Waller wakes up from his four-week nap. But even their offensive line, man, I feel like DJ is literally pressured on every single play. It's hard to watch. I envy you as a 4-0 Eagles fan, but... Again, you know, for me personally, Barkley is a sell candidate just because, again, I'm worried about the Giants and I'm not going to say that they're going to pack it in and bench Barkley. But what if there is that re-injury? Tom's not saying that there is, but he says that it's more likely it could happen. But Barkley, for me, I'm just out on right now. And just the Giants are kind of make me sick. <laughs> um, what were you going to say? Tom? thinking about, man, you said a four week nap. How nice would that be? I could use a four minute nap right now or just every single day, man. I love my damn life, but I get home from work and then it's like, okay, another four hours of hanging with Avery, which is beautiful. But like she goes to bed at seven o'clock and whenever we're not recording, me and Britt look at each other at seven o'clock at night. Like, <sighs> and then I'm sleeping on the couch by like 830. <laughs> I'm such an old man now. <laughs> All right, Tom, let's go to our next guy. We're about halfway through. And actually before this, we got to give a shout out, Tom. I forgot to do this earlier. We have a lot of listeners and we seriously thank you guys because we continue to grow. But the city with our fifth most downloads, Tom, is Brussels, Belgium. So big shout out. If there's anybody out there that's listening in Brussels, send us a message. We'll send you, Tom will send you a, an autographed picture of himself. That'll be worth $1.99. What's that? Worth $1.99 on Amazon and on eBay. But seriously, we thank you. It's pretty cool. Like, God, I mean, we'll bore you to death of the details, but we could go online on Spotify and wherever we publish stuff and we could see maps of like where people watch us. It's all on the East coast of America and the wet, whatever. And then there's like Brussels seems to be a hotspot. So shout out to whoever's spreading us out there. We love you guys and uh, hope you continue to enjoy our show. All right, Tom, about halfway through the players here. Next up is you got to clarify some stuff for me here, man, because I don't know what to do with Jonathan Taylor. So eligible to play this week. Looked like he was a full practice and obviously off the pup list with that ankle injury. Tell us a little bit about injury-wise, what we can expect, and then I got some burning questions for you, Tom. What do you got? A lot to unpack here. So obviously we just talked about how he had not one, not two, but three high ankle sprains, same ankle last season. If you remember, um, I wrote uh, in the preseason, I wrote articles like kind of summarizing injury history of a players broken down by different positions. And I put up a lot of red flags on Jonathan Taylor. And this was before he went on the IR. He goes on the IR with this ankle injury still. So that tells us that it's, it's still there to some degree. Like he had the surgery in January, 
But again, that was not the tightrope procedure that we hear about all the time with these high ankle sprains. It was just a clean out procedure. So that's not actually repairing anything. It's not fixing anything. It's just taking bits of tissue that could be causing pain or impeding range of motion and cleaning it out. The fact that six, seven months later, he gets put on the IR for this injury. And I know people at home listening will be like, no, he was not actually injured. It was a contract thing. Yes, I, under, I recognize that the contract was a factor as well, but he's not going on IR if he's not injured. So the fact that he was still dealing with that six, seven months later, is there's nothing positive about that. No. It can only be a bad thing. Now he's had four more weeks to rehab. Maybe that's what he needed. He's back to practice this week and practice in full this week. And I don't doubt that he can play at a high level. I mean, we just talked about how our data set shows no dip in fantasy production for running backs after high ankle sprains. And again, I do think that's more coincidence than correlation, but 14 out of 26 running backs or, or some, some number like that meet or exceed their pre-injury baseline. So it's a pretty decent sample size. So I don't doubt that he can play well. I'm a bit concerned from an injury standpoint. He's already had three high ankle sprains. They didn't repair anything. They just cleaned stuff out. And even if it's not another high ankle sprain, this is the type of injury that influences stuff up the chain, as we call it. So literally every single day at work with like in, in the clinic, when I'm evaluating people with knee injuries, hip injuries, back injuries or whatever, that they are like, I don't know what causes it just kind of came on. I'll start prying about their injury history and almost always they're like, oh yeah, I've sprained my ankle a million times. And then I go and look at the ankle, that thing is not moving. And then the ankles are our shock absorbers. So they're supposed to absorb force when we run, walk, jump, whatever. If they're not doing that, then you get more stress through the knee, the hip, the back. So I, I'm not wishing any of this on him by any means, of course, but these are things that we need to be thinking about. If that ankle is not as strong or as mobile as it used to be, it can influence stuff that can predispose him or can be a risk factor is, is what I should say for future injury. Does every running back have a risk factor for injury? Of course. Is Jonathan Taylor better than most, uh, most every running back? Of course. So if this is the guy that I was, when we're talking about Cooper cup, I was like, there's another guy who owned the exact same stance for, if you already have Jonathan Taylor, you should be excited that you're about to be able to play him. If you don't have him, I would not give up major assets to go get him. That's, that's the stance I'm on with Taylor. I think I can hop on with that as well. And he was the guy, Tom preseason. I think I made the silly comparison. I was like <laughs> drafting Jonathan Taylor is like going to the beach when there's all those red flags up because there were all these red flags. But again, if you waited this long, I'm a little bit different. I don't know that I'm just forcing Jonathan Taylor into my starting lineup this week because Zach Moss has been okay. Of course, Zach Moss is not good. even, it's not even half the talent, right? That JT is, but the whole situation, I, I just don't even – I mean, you did give a little bit of clarity there, man, but it's just – I'm just conflicted on what to do. Like, taking a look at the Colts, that they've been okay. It's still cloudy. It, it really is, man. They're 2-2. Two and two. Um, You know, they're around the league average offensively with their production. I mean, I just – even the fact that a couple weeks ago, JT's coming out <laughs> loudly saying, I don't want to play here. I want a trade. I want out of Indianapolis. Like that sketches me out too. What if he plays a couple games and gets traded or gets benched or something like that? Like, I don't know. But 
I don't know who it's going to be, him or Zach Moss, but I want the guy in this backfield because I was looking at also before Colts offensive line is rock solid fourth currently this year in PFF grade. So they're awesome. But again, just back to Zach Moss, he has been good, Tom ranked 16th right now in half PPR, but that's been a pretty driven by volume. And I think it's really volume alone. Like if JT's back, I think of course that cuts into Zach Moss. Uh, but so far, man, I think last three weeks, 18 carries, 30 carries, 18 carries. And <laughs> I think JT would probably thrive <laughs> if he got that many carries in a game. But again, I wish I could sit here and give you guys answers and say, do this, do that. I'm leaning towards, honestly, still playing Zach Moss this week in a couple leagues that I have him just because he's been the proven guy. And who knows if they're going to load up with JT, but make your own decision. It's like a, it's like a make your own ending story, but Tom, I don't know. I don't know if I'm it's, starting JT or not. It's very unclear now. Um, this week will tell us a whole lot. Another mm -hmm. one that just like I said with Saquon, when we see videos this week, I'm looking for the change of direction and acceleration too are the two things I'm looking for. Okay. Sounds good. And season long, it's murky as well. So that's just one to keep an eye on for sure. How about Javante Williams? Another <laughs> the hip flexor. So something else with the hip, Tom. He exited the game early Sunday. I think he only had like two carries or something, but what's going on with Javante for this week? And as uh, as we started this recording, we got a sleeper notification. Javante Williams misses practice with a quad. So just to clear up any quad, okay. So so now hold on, hold your horses. Just to clear up any uh, confusion there, one of the quad muscles called the rectus femoris is also one of the main hip flexors. So it's it's uh, both of those reports are they fit. So when we look at the hip flexors, it's not one muscle. It's a group of muscles. The rectus femoris, which is one of the quad muscles, is one of them. The iliopsoas is the other big one, which, just a little side note, the iliopsoas is the number one most dysfunctional muscle in the human body. That's, Wait, what do you mean dis dysfunctional? Like, like I, I work on people's iliopsoas every single day, literally every single day, multiple people. They're iliosova? Ilio. So as <laughs> it's like Ilya Sova. That was like a basketball player 12 years ago in the bucks. Okay. Go back, go back to your, your medical stuff, Tom. <laughs> that was just a side we can, we can go down that rabbit hole later. Okay. But anyway, the thing to consider here, one, if it's purely just a muscular thing or, or, or the hip flexor tendon, not a major concern. That's while it's a big, strong, powerful muscle, it's not going to impact football as much as it would a sport like soccer or being the kicker. That kicking motion with this type of injury, I actually have a, a teenager soccer player right now dealing with this injury, and he can't play soccer at the moment because of this injury. But if he were to just run or if he played another sport, he'd be able to play through it. The potential issue, and I have not seen a single report saying that this is the case, so nobody freak out, but the potential issue is that rectus femoris muscle attaches up into the hip labrum. So quite often we see a dual hip flexor injury with a labrum injury. Now, again, I have not seen any reports on that. Nobody freak out. I'm just educating people on the anatomy here. Um, this does not appear to be a major injury. He didn't practice today, but they're saying that he's day-to-day, -day, shouldn't really miss. He might miss a week, but that will really be it. We have a very tiny sample size of running backs with this injury, so we can't make much of this number, but we do see a 35% dip in fantasy production in the first game for running backs after a hip flexor injury. 
But again, it's a tiny sample size that is not anything that we can make conclusions from. Um, all that said, though, he has not been playing well this year. No. Obviously, coming off the major knee injury, we knew that he wasn't going to play very well. We talked about it all offseason. Well, you no. warned me because I loved him, and I was like, I want him, I want him. I just saw the name, and you're like, Joe, don't do it. And he looked like good the first week, and I was so mad at you, but <laughs> long run, you've been you've been spot on with that, Tom. Yeah, and I'm not saying he, he can't get it together. I mean, I think the second half of the season, we'll start seeing him play a lot better. But right now, with how he's playing, plus now add on this injury, I'm not looking to start him. No, I'm not either. And I think the guy to own there is Jaleel McLaughlin. He's the, uh, I think he's a rookie, right? I believe he's young. He's 23. Maybe he's been in the league a year or two. But he looked really good. And I don't know if you saw, Tom, I was digging in a little bit. He scored a touchdown and started to dig his feet into the ground, kind of like a bull or like the, uh, <laughs> or like a raging bull type of thing. And he had a quote after the game I just saw. He said, every time a bull goes out, they mark their territory. I try to bring that aspect to every game. He's pretty good. Like He's the guy to own. I think P. Ryan is washed. He was nice to have in the beginning of the year, but he hasn't looked good. Javante hasn't looked right. So Jaleel, uh, Jaleel excuse me, McLaughlin is definitely worth the stash. I wouldn't say a play yet, but he's definitely worth uh, having on your team couple more guys, Tom. So unfortunately for the Bengals, man, the nightmare season continues. Uh, you know, T Higgins now is dealing with a fractured rib somehow might play this week, but I mean, I could, I could see him getting traded. I just don't know what's going on. I'm not going to start rumors. I could see him going somewhere else. I don't know, but it's been rough for the Bengals and for T Higgins. So what can you tell us about T fractured rib? It's only one rib. That's better than two or three, of course. Um, and Here's what it comes down to. As long as the site of the fracture is not anywhere that it can impinge on the lung field, which would cause a like a collapsed lung or a pneumothorax is, is the science word for that, he can technically play through it. It's going to hurt really bad. So again, routine bone healing, four to six weeks. He's about three or four days out now. That thing is not fully healed. It's still very much in the phase of healing where it's really, really painful. With ribs, they need to move when we breathe. When we run and play sports, our breathing rate increases a lot. So even just the breathing component is going to hurt, let alone the fact that key upper extremity muscles like the lats, the pecs, and the obliques all attach on the ribs. When you go to move your arms to make a catch, that's pulling the lats. It's pulling the pecs, which is pulling on the ribs. When you rotate your body to make a catch or to make a cut, that's the obliques. That's pulling on those ribs. Getting hit, really going to hurt. So while this is a pain tolerance thing, it's a little bit more than that because if there's any guarding of those muscles that could prevent his arms from going through necessary range of motion to make a catch that's kind of away from his body, that could be a problem. If he gets hit and it flares things up, he may sit out the rest of the game. They may have him on a snap restriction anyway just to reduce any risk. So there is certainly risk here for the next week, probably two weeks. If he can get through, if he plays this week, which I don't know if he will, but if he does and he gets through it unscathed and he gets through the next week fine, then we're starting to look at, okay, like he's T. Higgins again. But for at least these next two weeks, there's a little cause for concern on if he can give you that full output that we're used to from him, even if it's just from a how many snaps is he going to play standpoint. 
And I'd be worried that, like you said, there's the risk of him playing, maybe getting hit again, and then he's benched, and then he's on your fantasy team with with one or two points, and we hope that doesn't happen. But all that sounds like it means to me, Tom, is that Jamar Chase this week is going to have 21 catches for 270 yards and four touchdowns. <laughs> they play against the uh, the Cardinals this week, who are abysmal defensively speaking, 25th in points allowed. They're 24th in passing yards. Did you see, Tom, the post-game interview of Jamar Chase last week? Yeah, he's always open. Yeah, he's always whatever open. So we will see. If it's possible, this is low-hanging fruit here, guys. If it's possible to go buy Jamar Chase, I don't think people are budgeting and giving up much for him, but you can get him somehow at a slight little discount. I think it's going to be his time now and for the rest of the year. How about Mike Evans? So another guy with a perfectly timed bye week, Tom, but he tweaked his hamstring. I feel like, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like he has had so many hamstring injuries in the past, but I haven't seen much information. So what do you know about Mike Evans? Mild is what they're saying. We They said he's going for an MRI, but as of this recording, Wednesday, 7.43 Eastern Time, PM, we haven't gotten results of the MRI, but they don't think that it's very severe. Um, the, the, and then he has dealt with numerous lower body soft tissue injuries. They always seem to be minor with him, which is a good thing, but he's 30. We know hamstring recurrence rates, and we know that hamstrings affect deep threat receivers more than anyone else, which is what he is. So this buy really is coming at the perfect time to help him get healed up a little bit to, to play in week six. 11% decline in fantasy production for receivers, 16% decline in snap rate. Again, a player as good as Mike Evans, that's not enough to scare you off. This is, of course, week six because he's not playing this week because they have a bye. Um, so one that we'll, we'll have more information on next week, and we'll definitely talk about him again, but right now doesn't sound too alarming. Okay, well said. And he's looked pretty good this year. In the beginning of the year, I said how much I disliked Baker Mayfield this year. And for that reason, I disliked Mike Evans. But as it stands, Bucks are three and one. I'm taking a big L on that if things continue to go down this path. But we'll hopefully see Mike Evans back in week six. Pat Fryermuth, Tom, another tight end who has a hamstring injury. Looks like he won't play in week five. Is that looking accurate? That sounds accurate. And again, they have a week six bye. So they have the luxury of let's rest him and then he gets another week to get ready. But his did sound more significant of an injury than Mike Evans. Um, I believe I saw they're expecting two to three week absence. So certainly could be ready week seven, if not probably week eight. Fortunately, since tight ends don't run nearly as far, typically they run shorter routes. They're not getting up to that speed where they're really stressing the hamstring as much. So they see no hit in fantasy production in their first game back from a hamstring injury. Fryermuth has not been good, but tight end is so thin. Don't do anything crazy. You got to keep him. You play him when he comes back, hopefully. He's only had one even decent game this year out of four, so hoping to see things improve there with the struggles of the Steelers team and Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, has been a mess. But we shall see with him. And our last player here, Tom, is Amon Ross St. Brown. I saw unspecified injury, and I – Listen, it's not the breakout year so far through four weeks that we've seen. He's still wide receiver 11. He's been uber consistent. Nothing huge from him yet. What is is there anything going on with him, Tom? I'm on Rye. I, I saw unspecified once again, so I don't really know. We got a little bit more clarity, like I think an hour or two ago, that it's an abdominal injury. Now, this can go two ways, typically. One is not very good. The other is not a big deal. 
So which do you want first? Do you want the one that that's a problem or the one that's not a problem first? Bad news first. What if it's what okay. if it's bad? And again, we do not have clarity on what his abdominal injury is as of this recording. So I'm, I'm simply educating the listeners on the two most common types of abdominal injuries we see in football. So the bad one is the layman's term sports hernia. What that is, is an injury to the abdominal tendons as they insert in the pubic bone. This is a problem because it does not respond well to conservative treatments. And what we frequently see is the player will sit out a couple of weeks as they rehab. They'll feel good. They'll go back and play. And like right away in the game, it gets worse. And then they're out for several weeks as they get surgery. The good news is the surgery does really, really well. Like Amari Cooper had the surgery in the offseason. He's doing just fine this year. Let's hope that's not the case with Amon Ra because those injuries are a pain. The other common abdominal injury is an oblique injury. Puka Nakua, Jalen Waddle this year, both dealt with that. Not a problem. Typically, it, it doesn't hinder production and they don't miss too much time. Let's hope that that's what's going on with Amon Ra. The good news is while he didn't practice, uh, I believe this is from Tuesday, he was seen on the side sprinting at full speed. So sprinting is something that with a sports hernia is pretty hard to do, but it's really more the change of direction that's really hard to do with a sports hernia. So that's it's encouraging that, we, that he's seen sprinting at full speed, but we still need some more information on exactly what's going on there. But for now, there's no reason to panic. Sounds good, Tom. Not panicking quite yet. Hopefully it's the good news for his abdomen injury here. And of course, you'll continue to give us information about that. All right. Anybody else that you're monitoring that we should keep an eye on throughout the week? Just a couple that I will have write-ups on for on our website, fantasyinjuryteam.com. Kenny Pickett, obviously dealing with the bone bruise. Um, we'll see how he does through practice to see if he can play or not. Again, they have a week six bye. Rashad Bateman looks like he may be returning after the hamstring injury. Dalton Knox dealing with a quad. Jawan Johnson dealing with a calf. And as we said before, Rico Dowdle, also part of the hip contusion gang. <laughs> the hip contusion gang. I don't mean to make light of these injuries, but well said, Tom. All right. Before our next segment, guys, just a reminder, we are thrilled to be partnering with SeatGeek. If you guys want to go see your favorite teams, your fantasy stars in action, music, concerts, anything, you want $20 off your purchase, a free $20, guys, on SeatGeek, use our promo code INJURYFANTASY, all one word. Injury Fantasy, they'll give you $20 off your purchase. Once again, that is on SeatGeek. Tom, we have a couple segments left, and I'm just going to let you sit back and go make some popcorn, chill out for a minute or two, man. This was my favorite segment from last year. We did it a couple times. I remember absolutely raging about the lack of usage for Tony Pollard last year. I was bad about some things. It's time to bring back Figure It Out. So in this segment, I, <laughs> I'd like to tell some people that they need to figure it out. Now I'm going to a couple of disclaimers here, right? I'll start with this. Hindsight's 2020, right? I understand after the games are over, we have that advantage of that perspective. I can go back and say, what if, what if? I also understand I'm a 31-year-old high school history teacher, right? And these NFL coaches, sure, they know 200 more times or 200 times more about the game than I do. But my goodness, Tom, <laughs> These guys, some of the coaching decisions I've seen, some of the plays I've seen, the timeout usage, the, the clock management this year, they make me want to say, Tom, NFL coaches, 
figure it out. How hard can it be, right? Because some of these coaches, man, that I'm about to talk about, they make it look as hard as rocket science combined with neurosurgery combined with trying to convince my wife not to spend more money at Target combined with 10 other impossible things because that's how they look. We're starting with this, Tom, okay? Because this guy, I'm sorry, I respect them as a human being, fine. Arthur Smith and the Falcons, I don't know what you're doing. Oh, cool, Arthur. Remember two weeks ago, Tom, they were 2-0. and He's like, I don't care about your fantasy team. You think Drake London cares about your fantasy team? Oh, cool. Cool statement when you're 2-0. and You've made that pretty clear. Great. But do you care about your actual team? Because since then, you know, since you made that tough guy remark, right, you're 0-2, right? Now you're 2-2. Two and two. The Falcons got smacked by the Lions 20-6. to They scored zero touchdowns and totaled 183 yards. Last week, they go to London, right? They get beaten by the Jags. They get embarrassed by them 23-7. to They scored one touchdown. I'm sick of Tom. If me or you were on the sideline, I swear we would do a better job. His constant misuse of this other freaking worldly talent. Let's talk about that. Drake London this year, Tom, 11 catches on 22 targets for 126 yards. Guy was an eighth overall pick. Kyle Pitts, I'm going to get sick about. 11 total catches this year, 21 targets, 121 yards, okay? And I'm watching this game, of course, because I got Bijan all over the place, so I'm fired up about it. One of the rare opportunities, the Falcons, when the Falcons get in the red zone, it's like, hallelujah, holy moly, this is crazy, right? One of the rare occasions, right? What do they do? I see Bijan trotting off the field. They got first and, and 10 from like the 14. They call a either a draw or a counter to Tyler Algier in which they go backwards five yards. You're not going to have Bijan on the field when you're in the red zone. It's disgusting. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Tom, you know who the, their leading receiver is on the Falcons? This year's leading receiver, for God's sake. I have no idea. Is it Bijan? No, it's Janu Smith. Of course. Okay. How sickening is that? And here's the other thing. Like, fine. You could blame Desmond Ritter for being the problem, which it is because the guy's horrendous. He's 28th ranked with his QBR at 77.9. Why is he still the starter? I'm begging them, put Taylor Heineke in, do something different. Like Smith even even sat, uh, I don't know if you saw this in the preseason, Arthur Smith sat Ritter in the preseason because he thought that he was like ready. He's going to rest his starters up. And then at halftime last week and after the game, Smith says it's no question that Ritter's their guy moving forward. So listen, if Arthur Smith won't bench Ritter, then the blame is just squarely on him. Like, I don't know what the solution is aside from do something differently. But, Tom, I'm out of breath. Arthur Smith needs to figure it out. All right. <laughs> it's good. Hey, they could sign Carson Wentz. Sign anybody. Sign the high school quarterback from my high school. Do something differently. Arthur Smith, I, I despise him as an NFL coach. All right. I got a couple more here, Tom. These won't be as dramatic or as long, but. Talk about the Steelers and Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada. So, so here's some interesting information for you. So since Matt Canada was named the offense coordinator in Pittsburgh, the Steelers, here are their ranks for the last three years in yards per play. 2021, 28th. 2022, 27th. This year so far, 27th. They are they are absolutely terrible. He's the, the guy, Matt Canada, is literally allergic to first downs. It's disgusting. His plays are predictable. They're dry. They lack any type of creativity at all. Their offensive line is not great, but they have weapons on this team. I get it. Deontay Johnson's hurt, but you got Najee Harris, who, by the way, is washed up. You have Jalen Warren. You have George Pickens. You have uh, even Allen Robinson. You have Fryermuth. You have some weapons on this team. They got to do something different, man. I'm sick of it, Tom. And, and I know this is coming more from a fantasy standpoint, but still even from an NFL standpoint, it's getting bad there. Next one, I got like two more for you here. The Jets coaching staff, speaking of terrible usage, usage 
I'm, I can't watch Tom anymore. Dalvin Cook get the ball. The guy is washed up. He's he been washed up for two years. More. Are the Jets blind? He's slow. He's got zero explosiveness. At this point, the Jets are desperate for big plays and offense. They need to target Garrett Wilson. I don't care if they throw the ball over his head 15 times. Target Garrett Wilson 30 times a game. Keep Dalvin Cook the hell off the field. Right, Dalvin Cook this year, 30 carries for 74 yards. Do the math. An average of 2.5 yards per carry. 2.5 yards per carry? That's disgusting. My dog Lola would, would average more. Actually, she might be a good NFL running back. But he has been so bad. Of course, I get it, Tom. We talk about Brees Hall, right? They want to ease him back in. He look he-, he looks pretty healthy. He looks pretty damn good. Brees Hall this year, 32 carries for 210 yards. That's 6.6 yards per carry. One of the best in the NFL. Feed him the ball. Rely on your freaking awesome defense. You might have a fighting chance at being at 500. But if that, if I see Dalvin Cook get the ball again, I don't know what I'm going to do, Tom. I'm going to get sick. It's bad. Figure it out, Jets. And I got a couple honorable mentions here, okay? The Giants' usage of Darren Waller, it should be a criminal offense. Uh, it should be someone should should feel should go to jail for this. OK, he leads the team in targets. Great. That doesn't say much because he's got 23 targets on 15 catches. What are we doing? We sign this guy to block. We sign this guy as a sideline entertainer. I don't know what they're doing with Darren Waller. Next honorable mention is Brandon Staley. I don't know what you're doing. How can coaching be this hard? They go for it twice. Back to back weeks. They go for it on fourth down from their own territory and don't get it. It's just bad coaching and then another one that my friend jesse jesse shout out to you if you're listening here i don't know if you watched the jags falcons game last week the amount of times that they just handed travis Etienne the ball and he ran literally between like right right in the a gap like right up the middle right it was it was unfathomable probably 15 times travis Etienne up the middle that's not the player he is Travis Etienne is not a guy that's going to plow through people. He's a guy you need to get in space. How hard can it be to give him a pitch, throw the ball to him in the flat? Last week, Tom, 20 carries for 55 yards, 2.8 yards per carry for Travis Etienne, and three catches for 17 yards. How did they not notice that he's a guy that you need to get outside, line him up in the slot, give him a pitch, give him a counter, give him a sweep, do something different. Tom, I need you to take over here. I'm out of breath. These people need to figure it out, Tom. I hope you enjoyed that little segment. I have I have two comments. One okay. about the Steelers and Matt Canada. I went to Canada on vacation this summer, and it was awesome. <laughs> That's your comment? Yes. <laughs> okay. For the Jets, um, I actually, in a, a team that I'm 4-0, this is my best team, it's a dynasty league, deep rosters. Justin Herbert's my quarterback. He's on a bye. I'm starting Zach Wilson this week. Uh, who do the Jets play this week? Um, let's see. Week five, the Jets play. Oh, they play the Broncos. I mean, yes. it, it could it be could worse. It, it, can, it could be worse, Tom. My other option is Tannehill, and I'm sure as hell not starting him. No, thank you. Okay, Zach Wilson is your locked-in starter for the week. Okay. All right, Tom, two quick things left to do. So let's get to our sleeper picks. And once again, guys, we're really grateful to be teaming up with sleepers. So you guys can check them out. You know, go to sleeper.com slash promo slash fit. Once again, that's sleeper.com slash promo slash FIT. They will match your $100. Guys, you put in 100 bucks. They will match it for you. Boom, you got $200. Tom, my pick this week, I dropped a three and one. I missed last week. I thought... <laughs> God for, I mean, I thought I could trust Bijan Robinson and Arthur Smith. Of course not. Of course, Bijan doesn't score a touchdown because he trots off the field for Tyler Algier. So I take the loss there. I'm down to three and one, hoping to get back to four and one this week. 
But here's my pick, Tom. And my core belief here is that great players will regress or I guess progress to their mean. So that's why this week I really, it's, really it's still, like it's still regress, even if it's positive. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Because I've the, the I was, word regression does not have a positive or negative uh, connotation. We just but it sounds negative. We because we it's most commonly used negatively, but you can like have regression. A, yes, but you can have a positive regression as well. Okay. Well, I'm learning something new every day. Um, so the positive regression is coming for drumroll, please. CD Lamb this week, my guy. Take the over on Lamb, sixty-four and a half receiving yards. Lamb started hot only through four weeks so far, guys. Lamb started hot from a yardage standpoint, 77 and then 143 yards back-to-back weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, though, he dropped down to 53. Last week only had 36. This week, week five, time for a big C.D. Lamb performance in a game where the Cowboys might have to throw a lot more than they're used to. They're three-and-a-half-point underdogs to the 49ers, who I understand. The 49ers on the surface are a fantastic team and an even better defense third in the NFL in points allowed, third in rushing yards. How do you beat them? It's through the air, Tom, and it could be because they've been winning so many games, so people are throwing against them, but the 49ers are 17th in pass yards allowed. That's how you beat them. And in previous weeks, last week, Marquise Brown against them had 96 yards. C.D. Lamb's better than him for sure. Michael Wilson last week against them had 76 yards. Week three, they played the Giants. Throw that out. Doesn't matter. Week two, you had Puka Nakua explode, man. 147 yards against them. Even Tutu Atwell got involved with 77 yards against them. Week one, Allen Robinson at 64 yards. There's no way C.D. Lamb does not go above 64 and a half. And one more thing on him, too, is the Niners. They've scored. Th- this is super consistent. Niners have scored 30, 30, 30, and 35 points this year. Now, the Cowboys defense probably not going to allow, allow all that to happen. But I do think the Cowboys will have to throw. Lamb should be the main beneficiary of this. I'd like the Lamb over 64 and a half. That's a really, it just seems like free money there. Yeah. And real quick, Tom, I know we're, we're just about to wrap up here, but I, I almost actually took Alvin Kamara over 23 and a half yards, but I've talked myself out of it. That seemed easy, but I don't like that just for a side note, but that seemed easy. Lamb seems easier. What do you got? How about Kamara having like 13 catches for 33 yards last week? Insane. That's why I wanted to take the over, because if he gets five catches, he's going to get 23 yards. But I forget who he's playing, but whoever he's playing this week doesn't. It's the Patriots. They do an excellent job against running backs, catching the ball out of the backfield. So that's why I stayed away from that one. But yeah, Uh, I also like a receiver over. It's Christian Kirk over 53.5 yards with a 1.76 times multiplier. Kirk's stat line this year, as far as yards, week one, nine, not great. Week two, 110. Week three, 54. Week four, 84. So three out of those four weeks, he would go over 53 and a half yards. Targets, three, 14, six, 12. We know that Trevor Lawrence from last year, great rapport with Kirk. Um, Kirk's target share has been much more than Calvin Ridley's. They play the Bills, who just lost Tredavious White for the season, but still have a high-powered offense. So this game should be a shootout. And... He's had the whole week to hang out in London because they're playing in London again. <laughs> That's so crazy, by the way. The fact that they're back. I saw that. I was like, is that a mistake? They're back to back in London. Yeah, they're just staying out there all week. So he's it's crazy. He, he's done all his tourist stuff and he's, he's ready to get to work now. He's ready to go over 53 and a half yards. 
All right. Book it, Tom. And Tom, you hit last week. I lost. I missed mine last week. You hit. And literally, your quote was perfect. I think it was about the James Cook over receiving yards. And you're like, he can literally get that in one catch. Guy had one catch, and it was for like 40 yards. Perfect. Well done. All right, Tom. Last little segment. We'll keep this real short. But the Vampire Diaries, if you know about the league, is a vampire league. Super fun. Look it up. Very interesting. I went into this past week 2-1, and and Tom, we got another win. Another one. And I just stole... Justin Jefferson, ladies oh and gentlemen. Goodness. So we got Jefferson, we got Chase. I'm actually have to I have to sit Olave this week because I have Puka, which is insane. But we're three and one, looking to improve. We'll see how things go. Tom, you are smart as hell. You're funny. I was gonna say good looking, but we're not gonna push it. But you crushed the show, man. Thank you very much, and thank you guys seriously so much for being here. We appreciate your love and support. We love making the stuff for you guys. Tune in next week, and again, we'll see you guys next time on the Fantasy Injury Team Podcast. Thank you.